podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. and welcome to Face Off. In this one, we'll be covering the recent Chelsea game, which was a tight victory for the Reds, and tight probably not doing it justice, because it was a a frustrating game for the Reds, albeit we did win. But I'll introduce my guest before we get through the game. Uh, Liverpool fan, my partner in crime over on 1UP, is Carl. How are you doing, buddy? Not too bad, guy. Glad to to finally get in on a, a show this season for the first time uh, after what's actually been a decent start to the season so long may it continue you better not be a bad omen <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that's the worry now um but chelsea fan we had him on last season it's alex how are you doing buddy so good thanks man i appreciate being back um yeah like i said just before we went on you seem to ask me back whenever you win which is a lot lately but uh, i'm very happy to be back now thanks for having me Ah, Frank Lampard will get it right in a few years. And, uh, you, you'll beat Steven Gerrard's Liverpool or something. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but as we always do with this podcast, we do start with the starting 11s. Um, Carl, I'll get ours out of the way because it was the starting 11 literally everyone in the world expected. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to, to sum it up. I mean, I think the only kind of question I had was... was Robertson's fitness, uh, obviously, because he didn't look quite fit against Napoli and led to some mistakes. Um, so it was kind of a, a talk of could possibly Milner or maybe Joe Gomez start at left back, but obviously then Robertson was fish and, and he started. Um, so as you say, it wasn't too surprising. I mean, um, the, the midfield kind of he's, he's rotated a bit this this season, kind of largely the kind of further two midfield positions with Fabinho being largely a, a stalwart there, and rightly so because he's he's probably been our best player this season. Mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, there's easily, I'd say, really. I mean, there's there's no clear competition. Maybe Firmino. I think the last uh, two the, games have kind of changed it to Firmino, haven't they? <laughs> from Firmino, yeah. yeah, probably. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think I, I can have no complaints with the eleven. Um, I mean, Klopp, Klopp picked the the best team available to him. I felt for for the game. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that, and there's not really much to talk about. But um, Chelsea's probably the opposite of that, Alex. I mean, there was a lot of injury questions coming into the game, and um, two of them started in Emerson and Mount. Uh, we obviously talk about Emerson in a wee bit because he did come off hurt. Um, but the rest of the starting eleven, are you are you starting to settle into a team into this? I know you played three at the back a little bit, but are you trying to find a? A settled team because the back four switched a bit, but I mean, Christiansen played well whilst he was on the pitch. I thought, and Tamori looks like an excellent um, talent. But is the, is the team starting to settle? You think? I think that in terms of the team here now, the problem that we have obviously is obviously Tamori did play well, but our defence from set pieces in particular is it's very poor. Uh, in regards to the team settling, I think that. Some of the positions are nailed down. I think Tamori has to start. Obviously, we've got Cap uh, and Gold. Who else do we play there? Kante's on the pitch and Abraham up front, but, and Mount is Lampard's guy. But 
we have a lot of kind of players to come back, like Loftus Cheek, who was extremely good for mm-hmm. us last season. Alan Hudson-Odoi, I think, is going to have a fairly big season. We're going to have Reese James coming back, who I do think he might take that right back spot because although Aspilicueta has been a fairly good player throughout the years, it wasn't wasn't bad yesterday. His legs are starting to go a bit similar to what we saw with Ivanovic a few years ago. Yeah. So, and I remember I was on this podcast back in April saying that you know the Chelsea fans were desperate to see the U players come through. So, in terms of that, I'm saying in terms of the boys that have stepped up, particularly Abraham and Melt, I think they've been absolutely fantastic this season. Yeah, from an outside point of view, I mean Mount's been. Probably, I mean, Abraham's been the surprise as well, but I think Mount's probably been the surprise of the season because going from a goal-scorer midfielder at Derby to being probably one of the most threatening midfielders in the Premier League, it's quite a, uh, quite a leap. And I know Abraham had a dodgy couple game, but now like I think he's like, first opportunity at Lafayette United for you. He's like a couple goals behind Rashford's all-time Premier League season or something like I that already. I actually had an argument with a friend of mine today. He was saying, trust me, that guy is another uh, Lukaku. And I was thinking, he's three goals behind Rashford's best ever season. Rashford's best ever league season of 10 goals, and Abraham has seven and six games. I mean, he could literally, like, score one every eight games and still beat that. <laughs> It'd be great. He takes year off after Christmas. We could sell him in January. You could still make that record. But uh, Flair forgot to mention there was obviously, you alluded to him there, Tamori. I think that... You know, he was brought back from Derby. He won the Player of the Year last year. There was things going, you know, will he step up? But I think he has to be first choice centre-back the way he's playing at the moment. I thought he was absolutely fantastic yesterday. I thought he did a good job on Salah for that um, majority mm, of that game. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. As I mentioned, I thought Christiansen was doing well as well. Um, mm. And it'd be a bit of a question mark when Rudiger comes back. But it looks like you've got at least three good centre-backs. And Zuma, if he recaptures four, might be a good fourth. Um, but question mark with him a bit <laughs> with his start to the season um but yeah let's let's talk about the early part of the game because it wasn't it wasn't like a proper mental game I don't think it was a bit on the safe side to begin with but Carl how do you think we started because I know we got what did we score in like the 15th minute or something like that but what did you think about before that do you think we were dominant or do you think it was just a quite evenly matched I think Liverpool were probably the slightly better team in the opening exchanges, but I don't think either team particularly set the word world alight in in that that period of the game. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I didn't think we were playing particularly well. I definitely thought we played a bit better against Napoli in in midweek, um, and obviously in our, in our previous games. But I, I think probably that game maybe had its effects. Um, you know, there's in a mental sense anyway to start with I think kind of that was our first loss of the season and that was obviously going to set us back but um, I, I do think we were slightly better we we played the slightly better football in that opening 10 minutes or so but again there, you know we didn't really see much in terms of chances from that play obviously until we, we got the, the, the free kick and the opening goal mm, yeah absolutely um Alex, how, how do you think the game kind of started off? Do you think it's how you'd expect going against, I mean, don't want to sound big-headed, but probably the be- best team in the world in Liverpool at the minute? Is that how you'd probably start a game as like a big a top six rival game at now- nowadays? 
Yeah, I think with a team as strong as Liverpool, because I think yourselves and City are just your miles out of everybody else in that league. Um, yeah, it was a case of what I expected. You guys dominated the ball. We had a couple of you know breaks. We had Abraham one on one with Adrian, where Adrian he saved it, <laughs> um, unfortunately from my point of view. But um, yeah, I, I thought Liverpool were very strong in that first half, and when they got the first goal, I mean, I'll say it as a Chelsea fan, what a goal! I thought that it was well deserved, and yeah, I was. We were 1-0 down, I was saying, I have no complaints. Like Liverpool, I thought, were a lot stronger than us when the game kicked off. Yeah, fair, fair dues, fair dues. Um, Carl, before we get on to the free kick, I have to mention Fabinho's role in winning the free kick. He is a... He is... He's lovely. Yeah, it's definitely good to have. I mean, after a long time of every summer spending... Hours listening to podcasts waxing lyrical about how we needed a defensive midfielder. And then last summer, we, we go and buy one and, and he, he works out as Favino has. I mean, uh, you, you can't help but just be utterly delighted with him as a player. Um, I mean, he's and he's so much more than a defensive midfielder. I think I've seen, and although I don't entirely agree with this analogy, but I've seen someone earlier saying that, you know, for years and years, Alonso and Mascarano were our best defensive midfielders. And now we have this guy that's almost like a combination of the two. I'm not sure that's quite how I describe him, but I think in a way what it kind of alludes to is, is how Fabinho is, is, you know, multi-talented and how there's so much to his game. And, you know, that that's what you want in that position, you know, someone who who can both win the ball and, and pass it. And, you know, he, there's so so much to his game and it just helps us to no end you know in terms of our midfield because our other midfielders there's no one really exceptional there I think Keita has exceptional talent but we haven't really seen it on a consistent basis so you know the, the rest of them are all kind of they're very functional midfielders and I think Fabinho is kind of just that class above and, and he really transforms us in that area of the pitch and obviously we've seen examples of that yesterday in, in terms of, of how he was involved in the goal or well the build up to the goal yeah it, his name is simply just by road in every team sheet now it, it it's, it's just needed um i'll stick with you then car i mean free kicks have not i mean i can't remember scoring loads of free kicks i mean coutinho used to score the odd one i know trent scored that one against hoffenheim but outside of them i'm not really thinking of loads but it's nice to see. Just, I know he got the uh, the little Salah flick, but it's nice to just see someone go up and twat it as hard as he can and score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I funny enough in the build up to the goal, like my brother and I were debating who should take it, and I was in an good position for a lefty, and he was in with Salah hasn't really done us much in terms of uh, taking frees at the club, and I was like, well, Roma, he had it, he scored a few, and. Uh, he was like, no, I'll give, it, give it to Trent, give it to Trent. And then, you know, obviously we went and rolled it to Trent and Trent blasted it. And he thought, well, you know, I didn't think of that option of just rolling it to give that slightly better angle for the right footer. And um, it, it was a well-worked free, as as obviously was the, the second one. And, and it's kind of a, a couple of training ground moves, really, that, that undone Chelsea when, when all is said and done. But it, it's nice to see that we're... We're, we're kind of working on these things because I think we scored a lot of goals last season from set plays, not as much direct free kicks, but set plays in general. And I think if, if you have that, you know, ability, you know, kind of 
it's a good thing to be able to bank on because you got to take the set players when you get them. Like, so it was nice to see something different. Yeah, absolutely. We have been a bit inventive with our free kick. I think there was Norwich where we put a wall in front of the wall for some reason, but we seem to be experimenting a bit on the training ground, which is, uh, which is great to see. Um, Alex, from a Chelsea point of view, is is there anyone you can blame? Of who I think it was Christiansen who gave it away, but outside of that, is it pretty much out of out of Chelsea's hands as soon as the free kick given? Yeah, I mean, at the time I was looking at it, and I, I kind of winced because I was like, ah, Christian, I was like, that's a very silly free kick to give away. And to be honest, though, I don't care, you were talking to your brother. I was watching the game with a couple of Chelsea fans, and it was a similar conversation. And I was saying straight off, I was like, no, it's like, it's Trevor Alexander Arnold. Listen, trust me, I says, he's going to smash this top corner. Watch this. And when he rolled it in dead, I was like, you know, I really hate being right sometimes. I was really hoping I was going to be bloody wrong about this, but. Um, it's one of those, like, it was annoying to give it away, but when you see the shot, I think Jamie Carragher said in the commentaries, is you, you, two goalkeepers wouldn't say that the power he got was unbelievable, I thought. It was a great goal, and obviously it's horrible to could see, but I just had to sit there, put my hands up and go, yep, look, great goal, super foul, but fantastic goal. Yeah, it was it was fucking delightful. <laughs> it really was. There's not really <laughs> much I can, I can add to that. Um, but after that, uh, the game. I mean, there was a uh, there was a VAR incident. We'll get to. But after that, um, Emerson. Get, I think he got injured before the free kick actually and played on a bit. Um, left back seemingly been a bit of an issue since Azpilicueta kind of got moved about um, and Ashley Cole obviously retired and moved on and stuff like that. Um, Emerson seems to have settled in a bit, but he's struggling with injury nowadays. Is he? actually settling in or is he just a better option than Alonso? I think it's a case of that he's good sometimes. Like he can be inconsistent sometimes. He's very good going forward. I think I do like seeing him bomb down the wings. And I think in terms of him versus Alonso, he gets back a lot better. I think that Alonso's big kind of problem is if you look at him in the system that we play it on the managers, he does a lot better at wing back when he has those three yeah. defenders and he gets forward. He plays a lot better as a wing back because I remember a couple of years ago he I think he scored nearly ten goals one season from wing back. He was up in the box and finished chances when Morata should have been doing it. But yeah, I, I think that it is just playing Emerson out of necessity. Like Emerson, I like, but I suppose for me when you've been sitting watching Ashley Cole for the better part of seven eight years and you're looking at your left back now, you're like, Oof, okay. <laughs> That's like an impossible task, to be fair. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, dear. Um, but Alonso came on. I thought he was probably your most threatening player, maybe apart from Kante, which we'll talk about. But um, Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say Alonso came on and did all right. Um, I, I thought he actually, like, credit where credit is due. I, I did think he did very well when he came on. But, yeah, it, we'll just have to see what happens because, again, he he's very inconsistent is the thing. Yeah, it's not it's not the big game. It's when he like ends up getting like roasted by someone like Andros Townsend or something. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what what'll happen to him. It was the last like, City, the six 0 where oh, um, I think it was City's first goal was a free kick and he just there was a man over at the left and he just looked at him, he just walked away from his man. They rolled and he squared it and the city buried it for the first goal and he was looking around going, Well what happened? We've had a few fullbacks who do that. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh but uh, controversy after our after our first goal, or well, 
maybe Liverpool fans don't think it's controversial, but Martin Tyler certainly certainly does, saying he doesn't trust technology. But um, you had a goal ruled off for offside. I mean, it was offside, but they talk about this reset of the defence and stuff like that. What, what's your take on the v, on VAR in general and, and this VAR disallowed goal, Alex? Uh, well, I hated it. <laughs> one thing I will say straight off the block and you did say it there and it was offside let's get that straight it was offside Mason Mount's leg was offside it wasn't like the Hillman Sun game the day before where people know I'm not a Tottenham fan by any means uh, but when you see Hillman Sun's elbow millimeter offside you're like come on but with this one I think it was quite clear now there is this whole debate of where is the break and play? There's phases in play, and they say, where do you pull it back? Where do you rule it for offside? The only thing that annoyed me about it, and I think completely destroyed the rhythm, because we were kind of getting back into the game with a couple of chances, was the fact that you have the whole, you know, you score, you have the whole pop and circumstance of the celebration, everybody's buzzing, there's a big move, but then all of a sudden, it's just kind of taken away from you. I think that really messed with Chelsea's psyche for a while, which is why we could see it so quickly after that, I think. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think we, you mentioned that Tottenham game. I think once that Aurier goal was disallowed, they just went. They pretty much just gave up on life. <laughs> I don't think you. I don't think you responded as badly, but it, it, it certainly causes a momentum shift. I think in in, in, in games. Yeah, I think if it, you got a flag for that straight away because you know I think I counted it was one, two, it might have been four or five passes after that Mason Mount was offside, and it's like people are sitting there going, "Well, where's the break and play? Where's the phase?" and you know, if something like that happens, I think you got to blow for it straight away. Yeah, the one the one decision the assistant actually gave, I think Trent was like onside later on. So even it just shows referees are bad. I think that's I think that's what VAR has done. It just shows referees are bad, even with replays. Mm. Um, Carl, what was your what was your take on the whole situation? I mean, it's great for us, but what, what's your thoughts on VAR? I mean, I'm going to ask this on every podcast, I imagine. But <laughs> what's your take on it? I mean, will you really ask me two questions there? What I thought of the actual offside decision and what I think of VAR in general. I mean, I think I think that's one part where I like VAR for these kind of decisions. Not not just ones that go Liverpool's way, but in general. Because they're kind of those kind of offsides, you know, in two ways, you know, they they can go badly. One, you know, you can have the linesman being unsure and making a call and getting it wrong. And then we can have perfectly good goals ruled out. For example, like last year when Mane against Arsenal was ruled out because, you know, the, the officials didn't actually know the offside rule. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but then on the, on the other end, obviously, you can have decisions that go wrong. Like last year, how we got a goal through somewhat similarly Milner was involved in the goal and mm. he was offside and, and the goal was given and you know West Ham fans were rightly annoyed about that so I, I think it's good in that way because you know the offside rule is, is there for a reason it's a rule and you know the best way to have a rule is to follow it to the letter so and VAR allows that and I, I think it was offside and regardless of you know if he was the player who passed the ball or scored or whatever, he was offside. He was involved in the move. So uh, I think it was a good decision. But, you know, at the same time as a Liverpool fan, I was more focused on how terrible the, the defending was and how much of a let off it was because we, we were really caught napping and there was a lot of hesitation in the box. And we've seen that a few too many times this season. Um, but as for VAR in general, 
I've still got mixed feelings in it. Maybe it'll just take time for officials to get used to it and, and get kind of implemented the best way because I, I think obviously we, we've seen some examples in recent weeks such as um, obviously last weekend, well the previous weekend sorry, Matip against Newcastle and you're left thinking how is that not a peno and similarly I was watching Southampton Bournemouth on Friday night and um, Cedric Soares went into the back of, of King and there's no peno giving and, and it seemed clear as day it was like surely VAR is going to give this and it didn't and you know it, it, it's just kind of baffling some of these decisions when it comes to fouls in the box how, how VAR isn't kind of overturning the ref um, so I'm yet to, to wrap my head around that so I think it's going to probably take time for the kinks to be ironed out of VAR but overall I'm, I'm kind of a supporter of it yeah I think I'm in I think I'm in the same uh, school as you are there I think We've seen it in other sports. Initially, it's a bit dodgy. I think it has improved, like rugby. Cricket's a bit different because it's very, very stop-start compared to other sports. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately it will eventually be a good thing for for a football. Um, oh, sorry to interrupt for you. No, go no, on. Go on. I think you mentioned rugby there, obviously. I think one thing that rugby does very well, and I actually really like about the VAR, and I think that would actually greatly improve for football is when they're actually speaking about the decision, you can hear the officials, what they're saying and what they're looking at. I think yeah. that would really, because you even hear, there's I wonder what they're looking at. We're hearing they might be looking at this, but if you could actually hear the officials kind of communicate and the top process, that might kind of smooth in a bit and say, okay, I see what you're looking at now. Yeah. And I think the main difference between football and rugby is that rugby, the rules are so black and white. Yeah. Like you, you like in football, there's so many cliches about like, oh, the the tackle was early on in the game, so you're not going to give him a red card. Like if if in rugby you do like an above a shoulder height tackle on someone, it's a red, it's a sin bin or red card or whatever the hell the terminology is. In football, there's so much subjective bullshit in in, in referee, and I think they really need to change that. I think that's the I think that's the main problem in football. It's it's too subjective when rules shouldn't be. Rules should just be black and white. I'm interested to see eventually now. If it becomes a case of sometimes referees are being undermined, like I'm intrigued to see how that will work. Say if they give a decision of AR, I think, well, now that you mentioned it, maybe we should look at this. Maybe it won't happen, but I'm like, it would still early doors. I'm intrigued to see how it goes. Yeah, I just hope it gets better. I hope it gets better. And yeah. and uh, people like Martin Tyler don't come out with absolute bullshit <laughs> every time there's a contentious decision. Oh, dear. Oh, that's true. That's true. I mean, Sky and BT just need to hear higher Peter jury for every game possible. That's the petition for that online earlier. It's the only, it's the main petition I'd sign. I mean, there's (laughs) there's Brexit. I've signed the Brexit one. I'll sign that one. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Oh Um, But getting away from VAR, as we mentioned, momentum kind of swings round, and Carl, we pretty much score quite soon afterwards. Um, again, a free kick. We'll, we'll talk about Chelsea's struggles with uh, with set pieces in a minute. But again, a, a kind of in, a less inventive free kick. But we see a nice touch from Trent and uh, Robbo with the cross. And Bobby continues his good goal scoring form. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked so simple. Um, but I, I think you have to credit the, the free kick in a way, again, because uh, they were expecting 
kind of the, the the right-footed cross and that's what they were set up to defend and then suddenly it's it's tapped and it's it's a left cross in and they you know they're left flat-footed and it's so simple for for Bobby to just nod it in and um, I mean, again, I, I do credit the, the inventiveness because I think you have to, to keep mixing it up, keep teams guessing and, and make it harder to defend against. Um, and I think really the set plays are the, the kind of real positive that we can take from that game is that that inventiveness. I, I thought it was interesting that there seemed to be a little bit of debate on whether it was a free kick or not. Um, you know, where I was watching it anyway. I mean, some people saying that, that Azpiti Coretta couldn't get out of the way. But, you know, my argument would be he put his arms on, like had he left his arms at his side and not touched Genie, then probably would have just been, well, look, he couldn't get out of the way. What did you expect him to do? But I think because he physically put his arms on Genie and pushed him down, um, that it was a free kick for me. But m- maybe Alex has a different view on that. I don't know. Uh, well, to be honest now, at the risk of sounding like a supporter of another team that we don't like, I thought the ref was poor. Like, to be honest, I thought one of the decisions that fell wasn't one I was kind of open arms about screaming on. I was kind of like, look, I can see why he's giving it. Um, I thought overall he I was a bit hit and miss. But in terms of conceding free kicks, though, I, I, a lot of our goals this season have been for conceding free kicks. So, I mean... Whatever about the foul on the edge of the box is contentious. Chelsea have a much bigger problem than contentious fouls, and that is we can't defend set pieces. It, I mean, this is just going to sound like a stupid question, but is that a worry, Quentin? It's seemingly a long-term issue, because Frank Lampard had that at Derby as well. Yeah, it's, it is a long-term issue, I think, because it's been going on for a while, because I know, obviously, you guys have, especially, like, yourself Carl, growing up and obviously we were watching Liverpool and Chelsea together one thing you knew when you faced Chelsea is like if you get a chance you have to take it like we were always the defensive team we were so solid defensively everyone knew when you were up against Chelsea when you had the likes of Terry and Carvalho you were not going to have an easy game trying to get through especially at set pieces but I don't know it's just in the last couple of years I know we're trying to switch to more of an attacking team but we appear to have lost kind of our identity of you know, been a very strong defensive unit. We seem to ship a lot more goals now from kind of simple positions, especially set pieces. Yeah, that is true. Um, certainly back in the day, I mean, you were, for a long time, you were probably the best defensive team in the in the league, um, under Jose particularly. And yeah. kind of with John Terry and the likes at the back, you know, and... Peter Cech and the sticks and that kind of thing. I, I don't think kind of conceding set plays was something you really associated Chelsea with, but you, it was more so something you associated Liverpool with. So maybe the the tables have turned somewhat in that sense. The best um, defender, no. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. So uh, I mean, it, it's it is a strange one, and and I think it's certainly something Lampard will probably have to address because I, I think really from our experience. You're not going to win much when you know you can you can concede set plays because there's a lot of the teams in the league that that play for those set plays that that's their bread and butter and you know if if you can't really defend against them you're you're going to get a lot more kind of draws and drop points as a result really to those those teams lower down the table. You mentioned Mourinho there. I remember his very first season at Chelsea. You know, four or five. We could see the 15 league goals that season over the 38 games like this season alone already we could see the 13 that's just weird <laughs> 15 is just too good that's silly 
I mean, I think we got like 25 odd last season. I, 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 I'd take that every season. That's <laughs> 15. Uh, just, that's just wrong. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah. I actually stopped and checked weird about that the other day. It was uh, <laughs> There was a tweet that they put up. It was uh, Alisson has the most clean sheets and his 18 clean sheets in his debut Premier League season. Uh, the first keeper to do that since. Pepe Reina and then I saw a check tweet of them back and I got 24 of my first season but whatever she <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually met Pepe would you believe over the summer alright oh, very nice man I, I wish he was still under the stick sometimes although Kepa's good but I gotta love Big Pete a lot of love for that man you do I mean pre pre um, helmet Petr Cech is just a scary goalkeeper <laughs> yeah oh dear <laughs> That was that feels like so long ago. I was like, I was like half a year old. <laughs> and a fun fact, actually, um, this is true. I, I looked this up a while ago. He actually conceded more goals for Arsenal than he did for Chelsea. That is probably the least surprising stat I've ever heard in, in <laughs> yeah, my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. That, that's actually quite funny. Um, but yeah, after the goal, uh, Christiansen gets injured um, soonish. You're seemingly getting unlucky with injuries. I mean, another chance to laugh at United. It's not as bad as them, but their squad shit, so it <laughs> makes it funny. Um, but is is this just bad luck, or is it like a chain? I mean, I think we had it when Klopp came in. We seemingly got a few injuries with um, a change in... Uh, style of play and intensity and stuff like that. Is that a worry? Or is it just bad luck, you reckon? I think it's just bad luck because if you look at, I suppose, our four kind of longest term injuries, like Kante's are kind of in and out with his ankle. You've had uh, Mason Mount picked up the injury even though against Valencia was obviously able to play and Emerson got injured with Italy. And so it's a case of, though, if you look at like the longer term injuries that we had, uh, Rudiger, Reese James, Loftus-Cheek and hudson Adoy. They were actually injured from last season. So they're just kind of carrying over. And I think the one that annoyed me the most was Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, it was a case of, after our final Premier League game last season, just before the Europa League, we flew to America to have a pre-arranged friendly oh, in yeah. aid of uh, charity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember cause, that. But in, in the game, it was a friendly, and they were saying Chelsea have to play the first team with some reason we had. In that game, a friendly in America, for the Europa League final, Ruben Loftus-Cheek did his Achilles in. Oh. So, if you're saying we are lucky, maybe, maybe just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, whoever set up that game didn't give a crap about the Europa League. Oh <laughs> uh, God, that is a. I think it was the associates. Oh dear, <laughs> me. Um, but Carl, uh, we seemingly did all right in the first half, but. I thought this was a problem in both halves, but we ended the. I thought we ended both halves, and we'll stick on the first half of this one quite poorly. We seem to let them in in the game. Um, I think Tammy Abraham had that one on one chance or another one on one chance latish in the half, and Alonso seemingly was the uh, main out ball for them. Um, but what what do you think the problem was? Do you think it was maybe? Obviously, Chelsea are a good team, so they're going to have their own chances in a game. But we seem to just switch off in like the last five minutes of the half. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I said it to to a friend that I was watching the the match with um, during the to, towards the end of the, the first half that it it seemed that we seem to be uh, adopting a tactic, which we often do, where when we go a couple of goals clear, we kind of drop off in terms of like pressing and that and kind of look to play in the break with Salah and Mane and, and hope to nick the third and, and kill the game. And often we do get that third, um, but it is risky and you can be punished for it. And especially when you're away to a team like Chelsea who, who have some good footballers and, you know, there, there was definitely some nervy moments, especially because so far this season we've had lackadaisical moments at the back where we seem to switch off and it seemed almost like an unnecessary risk, you know, not not to try and play a bit more football against the Chelsea side, who their defence has probably been their Achilles heel. Well, it has been their Achilles heel this season. So, you know, I think they think that's now is like 13 goals conceded in six games. So, uh, I think it was. I'm, I'm not sure it's kind of a, a tactic I approve of, um, but I think it is one we see. Um, and so it didn't really surprise me in that sense, but it, it definitely wasn't what you, you wanted to be to see um, for for me personally. Yeah, yeah, I think you've, you've put that uh, properly there, um, Alex. You're growing. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Involvement in the in in attack and stuff like that is that one of the key parts of the game you think Chelsea needed to take advantage of to get something out of the game? Yeah, I think that when you obviously saw Tammy Abraham with a one on one with a couple of big chances toward the end as well, where you had Mason Mount just blazing over the bar and then you had Batshuayi with the header that just went wide of Adrian's left stick. I think that we really need to capitalise chances. Like I, I think I said this to you back in April. I, I said a lot. Chelsea are so good, I say, over two-thirds of the pitch. Hmm. But as soon as we seem to get anywhere up and around the box, we just seem to panic. I, I remember years and years ago, I used to say that if Chelsea just had consistent centre forward like I know Abraham is doing well but when we had Costa who was a proper top class centre forward we won the league two out of the three years he was there so I hope Tammy Abraham will get there like um, I've been a big fan of him so far I think he's been very good so we just need to obviously make the most of our chances like that one-on-one against Adrian it was unfortunate but especially when you're against a team like Liverpool who's that good you you really need to take those chances yeah, it was obviously a big question um, coming into the season for you guys is how you set up, not just as you centre forward, but behind that as well. Because your midfield seemed to be, oh, you had options in midfield, Kante plus another, seemingly. But there was big questions behind that, whether Mount was going to settle in, which he obviously has, and which of the three strikers you'd pick. I mean, it's hard to disagree yeah. with, um, with Tammy because of the start he's had, but yeah. was it almost strange like seeing Mitchie not get a chance and Giroud who probably says a, a, a safe pair of hands uh, that's the wrong saying Sa- safe pair of feet <laughs> he's not a goalkeeper um, <laughs> I suppose yeah it was strange because like I was saying we wanted to see the academy graduates but there was still the whole of when they were thrown in they were like oh was that really the right thing to do <laughs> but like I mean Tammy in my opinion he's grabbed the opportunity with both hands I think he's what is he, second or third top scorer in the league behind Aguero and Puki, I think? Yeah, I mean, he's been good. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, Giroud, I know, played in the Leicester game and wasn't as at it as I thought. I thought he was good against you guys now in the Super Cup. I thought he had a good game that night. Took his goal very well. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those talking about people getting chances and, you know, do we try Giroud, do we try Batshuayi? But, 
I suppose as long as Tammy Abraham is scoring goals, you can't really drop a striker that's scoring goals like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's fair. Um, whilst we're on your attack, I mean, Pulisic, another one who had a, a really good game against us in, mm-hmm. in the Super Cup. Is, is it strange that, I mean, I know William, he, he got Hazard's number and stuff like that. He's never going to replicate that. Is it, is it strange that Pulisic hasn't replaced him and Pedro? Or is it maybe obviously new to the league and wasn't playing a whole lot of Dortmund towards the end. Is it still settling in for him or do you think he's still got a bit of development to go before he's a starter? Well, you see, I quite like Pulisic. I think obviously he was our big money signer from January. In terms of one thing I'll touch on very quickly though with Willian, I personally, I was not happy when he got that number 10 because <laughs> I'm off for players changing numbers. I know recently with yourselves, um, I know for me, you went from 11 to 9 and it was a case of that uh, man in 19 to 10. Now, I'm all for players that, you know, switch numbers, that they've been there for a couple of years, a player leaves, get a more prominent number. But kind of William with 22, he's, he's, he's had that number for six years, man. And he's, he's 31 years old and he's, he's not going to be sticking around. So my thought was, whatever about Pulisic, I, I do rate him. But I really thought that it should have been Callum hudson Adoy. Like, because he's obviously Bayern Munich had the 40, 50 million pound bid in for him. I was really hoping he was going to get the number 10 and be told, look, phase on you. But yeah, see, Pulisic is a strange one. He clearly, I'm not sure, maybe he's still settling in. He's still only 21 years old. And I know Frank has kind of spoken about him saying he's still taking time to settle in. Um, you know, he, he will adjust to the team. But it's a case of if William, he's not really doing it. Like, I know Mount had the ankle injury and he looked a tiny bit off the pace. But William, I don't know. He just really hasn't impressed me this season, or the last season for that matter. So, yeah, I think it's strange that Pulisic isn't getting in the game. But, you know, hopefully as the season goes on, we could have Pulisic, Abraham and hudson Adoy up front. And, I mean, that's that's a 21-year-old strike force if you think about it like that. And a really exciting one at that, to be fair. If, if hudson Adoy recaptures his form that he was growing into, that'll be proper scary. Absolutely. Um, sorry, we're going to say something now. Uh, no, I was just going to say as well. Um, one thing I will allude to though, Batshu Y is, and I know a few Chelsea fans had talked about this, and I feel I should mention it. When Batshu Y went to Dortmund there a couple of years ago on loan, hmm. he had a very good uh, second half of the season. I think it was yet yeah, 2018 because the Aubameyang and Giroud switch, but he played pretty well, scored a good few goals. But the main person who was actually feeding them goals in that team was Pulisic. So yeah. I think maybe Chelsea fans would like to see that combination again. But to be honest, I'd be more interested in the aforementioned 21s. Plus, you know, if you got Abraham and hudson Adoy with Lathashika Mount, Reese James, these are the boys, and Tamori, these are the boys that were coached with the Chelsea U team. And these were the teams that kind of cleaned up the U League, won everything. Oh, God, I, I That, like, three, four years ago, it was like you were winning pretty much everything, weren't you, at that level? It was, uh, yeah. it was scary. Um We'll move into the second half. Uh, Carl, we did that. Like, I, I watched the game on a delay. I, 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 was, uh, I missed it live, so I was kind of watching it. I knew, the, I knew the score, so the second half was proper dead to me, <laughs> but I watched it anyway. Um, but we, we seemed to start the second half quite well. Um, we seemed to regain control after a sloppy end to the, uh, to the first half. I think Trent had a shot, and I think someone else had a chance as well. I can't remember who it was, but... Yeah, we, we seem to regain control um, early on in, uh, well, uh, the early half, well, the first half of the second half, I should say. Um, but then we seem to lose it again. Was it kind of like 
on a game in almost quarters rather than halves for us. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's a, a good way to explain it. I, I think we, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd struggle to say we played well, but I think we definitely played the best we did in the second half, maybe in the in the opening ten minutes or so, um, where we had kind of a, we had the ball and and some territorial advantage, but no real chances. I mean, our, our only real chance in the the second half was that that Firmino shot that forced a good save from Kepa. I mean, I, I struggled to think of any other chances. There was a lot of kind of Salah getting the ball out on the on the right, but then kind of losing it, then being crowded out and that kind of thing. Um, so I think it was definitely the best we played, but you know, it, it wasn't what I would call good. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. <laughs> um, I'll stick with you, Carl, cause, um, Mane picked up a dead leg. I think he picked it up when we got the free kick Trent scored from actually. Um, and then we brought on Milner. I don't think you can get a more opposite player to Mane than James Milner. Like, what What was you, What did you think Klopp was thinking with that one? Do you think it was just pack the midfield a bit more? I know Ginny moved forward, but uh, yeah, do you think he was just trying to pack the midfield a bit more? But it was a strange move. Yeah, I mean, I was looking for a change. I, I, I didn't think Henderson or Genie were playing particularly well. Mane had been quiet. Salah seemed to be getting frustrated. So I think he could have really taken off any of them. Um, I, I kind of more, ex- I expected Miller to come on, but maybe not exactly for Mane, as you said. And, and I could have maybe seen Ox coming on, uh, which was a surprise when he didn't. Um, so I, I, I guess the idea was to pack the midfield, as you said. And, I'm not sure it worked, though, because it just seemed to make us retreat a few yards, and mm. all I can really recall was Milner giving away a couple of free kicks. So I, uh, I compared him to Lucas Laver on another podcast just that It really reminded me of Lucas. Yeah, that is that is one way to put it. Um, certainly, I mean, it was it was definitely kind of it. it I said it like about a half an hour in that, or half an hour to go that it felt like we were playing uh, to kind of as if there was 10 minutes remaining and we were trying to hold out, which is very worrying when you're doing it with a half an hour to go. Um, luckily, we managed to hold out, but I'm not exactly sure how with, with a couple of the chances yet Chelsea had that I'm sure you're going to ask Alex about now. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll start with the goal then. Um, Alex, I mean, Kante is good at football, isn't he? <laughs> the analogy that I always use for a goal I can't think is you guys are you guys watch Star Wars? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I always say uh, you, you notice things are going on in Star Wars and there's battles and there's things getting shot, but there's always R two D two. He's going around and he's just you know he's fixing the machines. He says and R two D two kind of gets people where they need to go and he kind of gets stuff done. I always say if you want to get something done, you get R two D two to do it. That's a goal I can't think. <laughs> 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 there's nothing that man can't do. I mean, and the fact that just to make it even better, like he, he's, I love him in midfield. I think he's got everything you need. I think he's fantastic by a mile, our best player. The goal he scored was fantastic. And not a man is renowned for scoring goals. The score blinded like that, but he's just, he's so shy. He won't even celebrate. He just runs back to the halfway line and goes, okay. Like I've seen him score a few goals for Chelsea. He's never once celebrated. He might be the most likable Chelsea player in the history, like for neutrals as well. Yeah. I would go along with that. I saw a story on Facebook the other day that 
when he first came to Leicester, he, he, he didn't want to get a car because he said he was just going to jog the train. <laughs> I mean, there's literally nothing bad about the guy. I love him. Oh, I wouldn't mind him coming to Liverpool at one point. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, reminds so much of McAlealy, who's, of course, you know, obviously a fantastic holder midfielder. He has a position in after, for God's sake. But I just think Kante is just all round. He, he, like I said, he can he can do anything and he gets around so quick. You never know where he's going to be. And he just, he doesn't get tired. It's crazy. It really is. Because, I mean, people raised eyebrows when Sarri was playing him furthest forward. But the mm. longer he played it, you could actually see why Sarri was doing that. It's probably more question marks about the people who were playing deeper than Kante, than Kante himself playing there. It was, but he, he is more than what he... I think people thought he was at Leicester, which was just a bloke who goes around tackling people. Whereas now, yeah. now he's probably, I think it's fair to say, he's the most complete midfielder in the league. I think it's fair to say. I, yeah, I think so. And I mean, if you look at even the French squad, obviously there was a lot of talent in that squad that won the World Cup last year. I mean, they were fantastic, but he was fantastic as well. Just He runs the midfield and he just does it so... He's like kind of Van Dijk. I said he makes things look so easy. Like he just seems to know where to be. He just pops up. I think there was an incident in the game and um, the second half where Salah was one-on-one with Kante and Kante just stood his ground and made a tackle. And I was like going, I turned to the people I was watching. I said, you know what? I, said, I wasn't even in doubt. I, I know Salah's phenomenal, but I, just, I wasn't in doubt when I saw Kante as the last man back. I'm not bloody surprised. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> Carl, from our point of view, um, there go. I mean, we talked to Fabinho earlier on. I think Fabinho was definitely in the running for our, for our man of the match, if not man of the match in the entire game. Um, but a bit uncharacteristically, not poor. I think he was expecting help that didn't arrive, but he seemed to just give up on chasing Kante quite early on. Yeah, he kind of... I mean, I was watching the goals back earlier, and you know, he seemed to just kind of pull away almost and just stop the pursuit and usually he'd be the kind of one who'd throw him across now you know as you said there were so many other bodies he probably expected someone to get in the way obviously Henderson had a chance to make a a challenge and there was a, a couple of the other players could have put in blocks and it was all just all of them it was all very lazy very pedestrian and you know kind of not the defending we were used to seeing last season um, certainly. So, um, I, I mean, it was it was disappointing to see it in a way. I mean, to, to, to concede a goal so easily. It was a good goal and taken on the way from the strike by Kante. But, I mean, you know, you expect your players to do more. You'd think that you'd expect not, not just one of them, but every one of them trying to get their body in the way of that ball and trying to get a challenge in. And they just didn't. They just, just made it too easy for him, to be honest, which which was disappointing to see. Yeah. Do you think? Oh, sorry to throw man. Do you think though that it was a case of? I know you're saying they didn't do enough, but maybe. And I'm not saying this to insult the guy, but maybe just because it was Kante, they didn't expect it. And mm. thinking, right, well, who's he gonna? So that all of a sudden, with no backlift, the power he gets out right into the top corner as well. Like had that been maybe, I don't know, Pulisic or, or even Willian on the pitch, they might have done more. But maybe they were looking, going, okay, well, what's he gonna do? On his wrong foot as well, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, but. I don't know. I don't, I don't think you can. I don't think you can take that risk with any player just to just to think. Oh well, let's, he's you know he's just Kante. He's not going to score from that range. You know, um, I just don't think you can take that risk. You need to get the the bodies in the way. And I mean, 
it's regardless of their reasoning, I, I, just, I think it was the wrong decision from from all of them. So, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 it was disappointing, but I'm just glad that it, it didn't end up amounting to more than a consolation goal, fortunately. Yes, so see, I thought we scored at a good time as well. It was a part of the game where it wasn't too late. I was thinking, okay, you know, I could see us doing this. Like, that really kind of got the tails up. And I think in terms of Kante, it was a very popular goal because of who he is. He's, uh, and yeah, I mean, I really thought to myself, okay, I think we can do this. And that was kind of, you know, you talked about the VAR earlier with the mood change, and that switched the whole moon in the stadium all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, you could feel it. It kind of became, obviously this rivalry uh, peaked with Mourinho v Rafa, and I think it's kind of simmered since yeah. then. It, it, I think the introduction of like Lampard and whoever else we, replace Klopp with hopefully many many years in the future it could reignite it but I think this was a step back in that direction I think um, yeah it was a, it was a strange just to finish up on Kante he's taken up Hazard's reign of just putting out 10 out of 10 performances against us and then you won't then you won't see him again for months <laughs> it's just fucking uh, he doesn't follow him so I'm happy yeah uh, it's, just, it's just annoying uh, dear. Did you see, speaking of Hazard did you see the uh, the banner that was out before the game I didn't what was it well Chelsea at the end we always have like a big kind of banner and you know it's normally Frank Lampard's armor they, they pull out the Eden Hazard banner and they had it gone across the Matthew Harden stands Right. And I was kind of sitting there going, people were making fun, and I was like, no, you know, I think it's because of happened against PSG, they're showing support, and I appreciate that. I was really getting on my high horse about it. But the actual guy that brings the banner, he went on and he actually said, uh, look, we took the wrong banner, they all look the same, rolled up. <laughs> uh, at least he's honest. <laughs> oh, dear. Um... But there was there was a couple more changes before uh, a few chances. Um, there was that one I mentioned uh, with Mane and Milner early on. Uh, Batshuayi comes on for Abraham, who we talked about earlier. Um, <clears throat> there was a chance before this one, but Carl, we brought on Adam Lallana, who you who you defended as a substitute. Um, but uh, for me, these substitutes kind of added to the chaos rather than tamed it. Definitely. I think kind of bringing Adam Lalana in from the wilderness, he hadn't played in a while. It was kind of strange. I mean, especially when you had Oxide Chamberlain there as an option or, or even Joe Gomez, if you wanted to be defensive, as he came on very late. But it, it was a strange one uh, for certainly. And as we already discussed, you know, Milner seemed to just when he came on, it seemed to just make us retreat a few yards further and kind of just recall him giving away a couple of frees. Um, so it, it definitely, I don't think it helped us get any kind of grip in terms of possession and I'm not sure it helped us defensively either. Um, you know, be, because we just, we just seem to be riding our luck really, as I said, I mean, that the chances they had that the Mason Mount volley and the, the Miji header, I mean, how they didn't convert at least one of those, I'll, I'll never know. Obviously, I'm glad they didn't, but um, we certainly rode our luck. And I'm, I'm, I feel it was poor game management from Klopp, uh, really. Um, I mean, I, th- I still think sometimes he puts out really inspired substitutions. Others, you know, <laughs> he leaves you scratching your head. And, and this was definitely one of those occasions. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a very strange end to the game. Um, 
Alex, I mean, the chances Carl mentioned there, you got to be taking one of them. I think the Mount one's probably harder than first thought, but that Mitchie one, oh, if he was, I don't know, a bit more match ready, I know he hasn't played loads, he'd probably be scoring that. Yeah, and that was the one, like, because it, it seemed to kind of go in slow motion as well. So we kind of, we were ready to jump. We thought it was gone in. I mean, free header, right? And just outside the six-yard box, edge of the box. I mean, you're right. He's middle of the goal. He's in a fairly good position. He needs to be doing more there. Even if you knock it back into the way it came, into that top corner, at least get it on target there. Worth the keeper. That was, I suppose, the most heartbreaking one because... I know Melt missed. I was like, we still have a couple of minutes. When, as soon as Michi missed the header, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's curtains now. I think the whole stadium kind of thought, right, that was it. Like, that was the chance. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I watched it on delay, and that was the only one that made me sit up a bit and go, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> um, it was just, uh, I think you're right. That was that was the big one, and it was almost a... Uh, a deflation in, in in the stadium after that one. Uh, I know. I think Mount was afterwards actually, but it, it, as I said, I think it, it was it was uh, his was more difficult, wasn't it? Um, but that's pretty much the game. I don't think I've missed anything. I think Robbo had a nice run to relieve pressure, but that's pretty much all he did in the second half because Chelsea just kept attacking down our left. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything to add before we finish up, guys? Ten thousand no. You go first. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, I think what I will say in terms of both teams is uh, Liverpool. Obviously, you've won the open at six. Fantastic start. Um, of course, you saw City with the sting in the tail now against Watford. Um, the only thing that I will say about Liverpool, correct me if I'm wrong, is that um, like you're starting eleven. I think phenomenal. We saw that last season. Amazing mm-hmm. starting eleven. City have such a strong squad. I think. And it's a case of that that's going to be an interesting battle for me because I think Liverpool starting 11, flawless. I don't see any weakness in it. But I think City as a squad, just they can go the distance. So it's going to be a really interesting fight like it was last year. And I'm excited for that. It's going to be absolutely uh, spectacular to watch, I think. Yeah, I think that's why quite a lot of Liverpool fans were kind of annoyed when we didn't sign anyone in the summer. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. Ourselves. I, I, yeah. Um, I'm... I'm c- to be honest with you now, I know it's been a rough start and maybe call me crazy. I'm confident enough of our top four chances this season. I think that it's still early doors, which when the injuries come back, we're a bit more settled. We'll be okay because the other teams, Arsenal not a late win against Villa, Spurs and United both lost. So it'd be interesting, but I think we have enough to get that top four spot. You missed the chance to laugh at United, though. <laughs> um, I, I was going <laughs> to... for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, <laughs> no, never mind Chelsea. You've been about fucking Leicester. I was going to say Everton there, but Everton. Um, Leicester and uh, other teams should, could probably finish above United at this stage. Um, yeah. it, it's it's going to be fun. Um, Carl, I mean, final <laughs> thoughts from us. What, what can we take away from this game? Or is it simply, we've got the three points and forget this game? <laughs> I... I... I, I think it was a, a massive win, you know, considering, uh, as I said, I was expecting kind of a, a scrappy performance to a degree, maybe not that bad uh, from the offset because, you know, obviously, as I said, the Napoli game, that was a mental blow, our first loss of the season. And especially because, uh, you know, I thought we played reasonably well in the Napoli game. We probably deserved a draw and we just kind of conceded two late goals and, and that was kind of that. 
So I think there was that mental blow. It was going to have an effect. And then obviously we've seen the physical effects of the, the midweek game as well. Kind of the last half an hour, we seemed dead on our feet. And I know Chelsea played a midweek as well, but obviously they were home. They had most of the ball. I mean, it, it's not quite as taxing as an end-to-end away European tie. Um, so I think that there is a difference there. Um, so I think it was always going to be scrappy on our part and, and maybe somewhat scrappy in general. And it was just important to get the three points. So to get the three points away from home, you know, that that's a, we drew that game last year. So to, to go away and beat Chelsea, it's, it's a massive three points to, to, to kind of get up. Six six on the ro- on the run now. We've we've got Sheffield United and Leicester to come, and they won't be easy games. But I mean, they, they seem winnable games, and and we're going to keep on that pressure on City. And obviously, they had a good answer that this that the weekend with their their eight nil and kind of a, a good bounce back for them. But at the same time, they've they've showed some chinks in their armor, especially defensively this season. So hopefully, more teams will get at them, and they they might drop more points. And all we can do is is keep winning. And and I think winning you know at Chelsea after the you know after a midweek game in general but especially a loss was massive and and I'm just glad that we got it over the line you know even if it wasn't kind of uh, easy on the eyes yeah I think that's fair uh, I think that's fair um right we'll finish up there then um Carl are we going to make a promise of a, a one-up pod Oh, we're not there yet. <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll definitely get get something together. Yeah, we will definitely do something. Uh, we did promise a few reviews last time, but we will get to uh, get back to that. Um, Alex, anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, <laughs> straight in there. <laughs> I am currently working on developing with some people an online comedy series uh myself and my team are called the moochers so if you're on facebook you can find us at facebook forward slash we are the moochers or if you go on to youtube and search the moochers will come up we started this back in august and yeah we have weekly episodes every saturday and we're doing our first live show next month so yeah pretty exciting new project and i appreciate you let me plug it thank you no problem anytime um so yeah thank you everyone for listening goodbye Podcast Network.